Yo, episode five, coming at you, Quadcast. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. This episode is brought to you by the Resource Optimization Network. This is a group of clinicians, researchers, administrators, and allied health professionals looking at ways to better our healthcare system. So if you're a company, organization that are looking at ways to improve your clinical outcomes and reduce spending, contact Resource Optimization Network. That's resourceoptimizationnetwork.com. All right. And in terms of contacting us, we've just recently started a Facebook page. So you can find us at on Facebook at Solving Healthcare. You know to contact us on Twitter at Quadcast. Any comments, questions, you can reach us at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. Okay. This episode, we interview the one and only Heather Busada, social worker and grief counselor with over 25 years of experience. And in this episode, we'll get a sense of what to expect when dealing with death and dying and grief, how it affects us all, and specifically how it affects healthcare providers. Lastly, we get into like how to help out each other during these tough times. I honestly feel like everyone will be able to get something out of this episode. And this was um, not an easy one to get through. I, as some of you know, I, I lost my father in September of last year. And going through that process was was more difficult than I expected. And I wanted others to be able to hear from an expert such as Heather, whose advice and guidance was, for me, incredible. And I just feel like there's so many people that could benefit from these conversations. And this episode was was also inspired by seeing some of my friends and colleagues go through tough times. So, uh, Nikolka, Yari, Aaron, Carly, Hickey, Adrian, you know, this, you, you guys also inspired this episode. So, um, I hope you enjoy it and I hope everyone gets at least something out of it, but there are certainly lessons to be learned here. Heather Busada. (laughs) Busada. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, do you remember how we met? Oh gosh, that was a long time, a ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Cause if to get you off the hook, I don't actually remember how we met, but I do remember how I met your husband. So to the listener, I was playing hockey against oh, my yeah, husband. God. And he he didn't know who he didn't know who I was. And I, I approached him after the game. After a hard fought game, which I think we won, by the way. Yeah, that's because um, you guys were dirty. We were dirty. Yeah. <laughs> and I approached Chris and I said, Hey, I know your wife. And he's like, What did you just say to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, No, I really know your wife. I work with her at the hospital. Anyways, and then he did recognize you. And then he recognized you. Yes, yeah. And then I explained that to everybody in the teleconference one day. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unknowingly. True, <laughs> um, well, thanks for doing this, Heather. It's, it, uh, it means a lot. And so maybe we could start off with. What does a day in the life hmm. of Heather Busara look like, whether it's at the hospital doing what you do or in your work with grief? Yeah, uh, well, it's busy. It's uh, mm-hmm. very busy, but uh, 
most of my time spent in the palliative care, the palliative care team. And I also work in medicine and I've worked with you in ICU, but yeah. uh, I, you know, my love and passion is palliative care and grief. So a lot of my days spent with the palliative care team, meeting families and patients and talking about terminal illness and impact it has on the family and their goals and their hopes and their dreams and basically what's happening to them and providing them support through that very difficult time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And crazy hours, long days. Is that is that correct? They're long days. They're long days. And sometimes I walk out of here pulling my hair and other times <laughs> I'm like, wow, I feel like I was able to make a difference, you know, and that feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, one thing that I, I do appreciate that you guys do is, you know, I, I run into I'll have a family meeting or mm-hmm. two in yeah. the afternoon and I feel emotionally I know I actually just physically exhausted, yeah. emotionally and physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're doing this every day. Yeah. Well, we all are in healthcare, aren't we? We're having really difficult conversations all the time. I don't think, I think uh, one of my colleagues always talks about if we only had a GoPro, I don't think people would believe what we go through in a day in terms of the conversations that we have. They're really detailed, intimate. People are at their worst times often, right? Mm. And trying to make really serious decisions um, on not sometimes for themselves, but oftentimes families are having to make that for their loved one. And they, they're not sure what to do and they're feeling stressed and uh, scared Mm-hmm. And they're not understanding how or you know, looking for support and feeling in a world that's not part of their typical day. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't imagine you literally can't imagine being in the spots that mm-hmm. they're in. Right. Like it's not something that you think about, dream about. Yeah. It's just. Well, people don't get practice at this. Right. Yeah. And I always say to people like it's not something you sign up for. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in the hospital having to have conversations about end of life, either for yourself or your family. And it's, it's, uh, it's, you, you don't get practice at it. Right. Mm. Yeah. So we'll talk about some of the details of, of, you know, these difficult conversations in a bit, but you have a expertise in grief, in mm-hmm. grief counseling. And mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you wish more people knew about the grieving process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a huge topic. You know, it's, it, it is my passion and not only for patients and families, but especially for healthcare providers. You know, one of my passions lately is that uh, as healers, we need to be okay, right? We need to, we're doing some really serious work here. And if we're not understanding if we're having to go through our own grief and mourning through loss of a family member, you know, I see it all the time. I see it at the hospital and people are coming to me and, you know, oftentimes they feel like, what is going on? You know, I used to be able to take care of five, 10 people. Now all of a sudden just taking care of one person, I feel like completely overwrought and I don't know what's going on with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just having a conversation about what it is and what's happening to them, to their body, to their mind, um, really kind of helps take off. Oh, okay. Cause we're not only a death denying culture, but we really, um, you know, there's that whole, whether it's implicit or explicit out there that you got to buck up right? You got to buck up. You got to get on with it. Um, you know, have a stiff upper lip and, you know, people are looked at as courageous if, oh, they look so strong. They haven't even cried. Not everybody cries, but there's that sense of, you know, if you're only being strong, if you're, you know, just keep moving forward. But mm. the interesting part about grief and mourning is it's not about moving forward. Everything we do in grief and mourning is about going backwards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you look at grief and mourning, and I think that's an important part. I Well, one I want to start with, a lot of my approach to grief and mourning is from Dr. Alan Wolfelt. Mm-hmm. He has a companion approach. And that's where uh, my training is from. Um, as a social worker, I've also I've gone down this uh, Center for Loss and Life Transitions. And it's actually really a wonderful approach. And I, I heard Dr. Wolfelt years ago. And, you know, just working in this field, I when he talked about what grief and mourning is and going from the head to the heart, really, mm-hmm. it was what it's about. And it's that, um, that journey that we experience at it just resonated with me, but it's throughout our system, right? So like, if you look at bereaved families or the hospices, the Canadian military, the American military, they have also adopted this approach because it's, uh, it's meeting people, not from the head and the intellect, it's meeting people with the heart, right? It's companioning somebody and companioning is means to break bread. It's like sitting down with somebody and actually saying, you know what? 
I'm not necessarily the expert in what your relationship was with that person or what you went through, but I have some tools and I have an open, compassionate heart to be able to explore what was that loss like for you, right? Yeah, because I I feel like that's a a big fear for a lot of people. It's like when you know somebody has experienced a loss, Yeah, I can't count how many times people say, I do not know what to say to them. I do Mm -hmm. not know what Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to... Mm -hmm to bring i you know it's it's awkward for awkward for some mm-hmm. some people yeah. and even as a palliative care doc yeah. i've been in cir- circumstances where it's like you know i, I literally i'm not sure what to, mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. to this person yeah and there's actually we can talk about that a little bit later but i think it's important to start off with like you know there's a lot of jargon out there you know bereavement grief mourning like people throw out the words right but it's really it's important to understand what the concepts mean right mm-hmm. so that you can make some sense of it so when you're looking at at for instance bereavement it's a loss of a loved one but what what's really fascinating about the word is it actually means uh the latin root word of it means to be torn apart Mm. So, um, you know, it's amazing whether it's here or people would call me when I was doing my private practice with group counseling and in some shape or form, they would be describing that their world has been blown apart. Right. Mm. Um, and that's basically what it is, is that your world's been torn apart. But the, the, the grief is important because it's the grief is their internal thoughts and feelings. So unless you're a sociopath, you're going to feel that loss, right? When you love somebody, I mean, grief and love are the flip side of the same coin, right? Because if you love somebody, you're going to feel that loss. So it's the thoughts and feelings. But where we get stuck is people just have that feeling, right? They have that feeling, but they're not sure. So they're not sure how to process it, right? Mm. And we don't get taught that. And everybody's teaching them to, oh, just move on, right? But where the real work is in the morning, right? And that's the part that um, that I try to help people understand and, and how to kind of go about doing that. Like the morning is the outward expression of that grief. So emotions need motion. Um, so the more that you, it's a social uh, shared response to loss. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be specific to one's culture or um, rituals that you might do. But unless you're sharing that loss and expressing it, and um, and I see it all the time with patients and families, once you get them to start talking about that relationship and who that person was, you can see the movement, right? It's a natural unfolding. You know, people think of it as like mental health. It, grief and mourning is a natural thing that we all go through right Mm -hmm. unfortunately we like to avoid pain and suffering but we will experience it and you can't get people around it you got to go through it but in that journey is is a really kind of beauty in it in terms of recognizing what you've experienced and how you then integrate it i mean grief is if you really look at it it's it's moving from one of physical presence um to one of memory that's the ultimate shift that what you're doing in the morning work, right? So again, you're moving that from physical presence to one of memory and you're integrating that into your new life, right? There is no new normal. There's a new normal now, right? You can't go back to the old normal. No. There's a new normal. So you're integrating that. Wow. So maybe talk a bit about what to expect when you're going through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously there's going to be a lot of distraught pain Mm -hmm. um you know there's that new normal as you describe but yeah what are some of the things that people might expect yeah like for yourself and other people yeah and and that's what i find fascinating is um people don't understand like people think assume it's uh it's just emotional response right but it's the totality of your whole being right it affects you physically cognitively socially uh, spiritually and especially if if i make re- reference to the healthcare workers we need to be game on right mm-hmm. so like as yourself as an icu doctor you need to be there you need to be present but if you're going through a loss you are um not only physically, your body, you get extreme fatigue, Mm -hmm. uh, you're exhausted, your appetite, you know, 80% of people lose their appetite, 10% gain, another 10% they're neutral, sleep disturbance, you know, so often people will tell me, you know, they're quick to go to bed to sleep because they're so exhausted, but they wake up frequently, right? Um, So you're not getting a lot of sleep, your immune system's down, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're in this uh, critical state, like you're in this hyper arousal, because you've got this either an impending loss or a loss, right? 
So um, physically, it's affecting you. Emotionally, you've got like multitude. There's no, you can find many different feelings at once and it comes in waves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and cognitively is, was the interesting part, especially with healthcare is that healthcare workers is <laughs> you, you know, we multitask, right? We're constantly multitasking and, and life and death, like you're making life and death decisions. Um, and you, all of a sudden you're, and it's, there's a lot of research on it and, uh, people will start to, uh, you'll find it's difficult to concentrate, um, it more irritable, uh, the multitasking often goes right out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know, what's, and that's where people often in healthcare come to me and say, I don't know what's going on, but you know, I was used to, I w- could do this with my eyes closed. Now I can't even, um, you know, concentrate on, on two patients that I have. Um, I mean, I, for a personal example, I remember I've been in palliative care like for 19 years. And I remember when my own mom was, um, uh, terminally ill, And she was in the hospital and I went with my team to go meet a patient Mm -hmm. and the doctor and the nurse and myself when we sat down. And sometimes you're not aware of it, right? Because you're so engrossed in what's happening that you're not really aware of how difficult it is for you. So I remember sitting there listening to the nurse and the doctor talk to the patient a conversation I have every day and I couldn't even process what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And at least I had the wherewithal to go, wow. I shouldn't be here. Right. Yeah, I need to step back, and and I did. I stepped back. I mean, it because it cognitively, I couldn't wrap my brain around it, like what was going on, what was being said. Um, yeah, and, and this was this was fairly recent. Oh, about four you. years ago. Yeah, um, and uh, recently with my dad. But uh, yeah, it it uh, it's it's good to recognize it, right? It's important mm-hmm. for uh, for people in general, but especially for healthcare workers. That they're yeah. not doing a bad job. That there's nothing wrong with them. They're going through the natural processes of grieving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Heather, we, we, you and I were talking prior about how unique it is for healthcare workers. You're mm-hmm. literally taking care of people. You're seeing death and dying mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And then when they experience the loss, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when they're not able to think as clearly, when they see that emotional tie to their dad or their mom or mm-hmm. whoever might have experienced loss. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if we talk about that enough. I don't know if we definitely s- not support definitely each not. other enough. No. And I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's through bad intention. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's a, it's a, a social cultural milieu of, of Western society in general. We don't tend to talk about pain and suffering, do we? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about being happy, being independent and, um, uh, so to talk about pain and suffering, we don't, when we don't often teach our children about it either. Right. So I'm often talking to families about how do you help children through you know, the loss or the, or about to lose someone important to them because we're not taught. Right. So all of a sudden when we're faced with it, we don't know what to do. And as healthcare providers in general, um, you know, whether you're community or in a hospital, uh, we want to take it on. But if we're not understanding, we should be the very role models and understanding because we're going to be out there trying to heal others. And if we are not healed ourselves, we're not going to be up to speed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's very much the cult- the culture and medicine like mm-hmm. I try not to get too personal, but you know, when I, I found out my dad passed away, it was a a Thursday while I was on ICU Mm -hmm. and it didn't even occur to me to Mm -hmm. get somebody to cover, you know, it was just sort of ingrained in me. Like you got to plug away. You got plugging away. Um, Yeah. And I, I didn't even tell anybody Mm -hmm. at work. I, I told one person actually. Yeah. TP. Just, uh, just think. I just wanted to have that kind of, yeah, um, security in case things became overwhelming. Yeah, so many check on period. you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, it's that culture. It's that. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. Let's grind away at mm-hmm. what, we're, what we're we're doing. Even you know, healthcare aside, even had a conversation with somebody that that recently, ex- relatively recently, experienced a loss, and then. And it was kind of like you alluded to at the beginning where mm-hmm. it's like, I just want to do a bunch of stuff that keeps my mind off this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's, it's worth diving into more. Mm-hmm. What 
are the consequences mm-hmm. of not letting things sink in, of always running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when you look at um, the six central needs of mourning, like through the companioning model, one of the things is um, acknowledging um, the reality of the death. Right. And and they're not stages. Right. You can come back and forth, back and forth. But primarily, initially, you're trying to acknowledge the reality of the death. Right. And depending on the circumstances, um, that may take weeks. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, for instance, if people don't actually get to see the body, you know, say somebody died overseas and they never got it, that acknowledging the reality, the reality of what that the person is gone again. Remember grief is about one of physical presence to one of memory. So if you haven't actually been there to see it. It's hard to integrate it into ourselves. Right. So, um, and then, you know, and then we start to identify or start to um, embrace the pain of the loss, right? And our body and our mind has this wonderful ability to be able to do that. So, like, it's about encountering and evading. So, it's okay. Like, our mind can't take it all in at once, right? So, our mind has a, I call it nature's anesthetic. Mm. So, when we need, initially have the loss of somebody, we, our body has this way of kind of numbing us a little bit. And it's just because it otherwise it's too overwhelming. And it and as that numbing starts to kind of wear off a little bit and the reality of that person gone starts to set in, then the pain really comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually the hard part. Like that's actually when I would find I would get calls for grief counseling was around that stage. So you know, somebody's passed on, uh, they have all this family and friends coming to provide them with support. Um, and their new normal hasn't really introduced themselves yet, right? Because they're still living in that world of that person being there because everybody's around, right? And then as people start to go back to their normal day lives and people that the person, the bereaved person's left and they just looking around going, whoa, what happened? You know, where is that person? I'm, you know, I'm used to getting up every day and having a coffee and then we head off to work and then we come home and we do this. That's not, that's not there anymore. So then the pain starts to come in and that's when people would call me and they'd say, I don't know what's going on. Like, I thought I was doing okay, but now I'm just like, this is awful. This really is painful. And, and, and that's when I'd say, well, I can't get you around it. But you know what? There's a way to go through it, right? And that's where the remembering that, you know, the morning comes in, remembering the person who's died, right? And it's that work. And I see it not only in grief, like at post-death, but I see it in palliative care. Mm. It's really kind of that wonderful transition, you know, where you see families initially like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. No, it can't be. And they're in crisis, right? And they're questioning the diagnosis and the prognosis and what's going on. And they're in this state of helplessness, right? Um, And then as you develop this kind of um, time to give them space, Uh, to answer their questions, provide education and support, and kind of honor the process that's going on. It's this beautiful movement that you see, right? As they shift from the head to the heart and acknowledging that person's about to pass. And I love that, you you, you know, after like a while and you walk in the room and they're all sitting around the bedside and they're sitting vigil and they're sharing stories and they're laughing and they're crying. You see that morning work coming mm. in, right? And that starts there and it's really quite a beautiful process. And it's not that they want their loved one to pass, but they're, they're acknowledging it, right? Yeah. And they're giving honor to that person. And that's a really wonderful thing to be doing, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I could speak also from the clinical side. Mm. I think you would agree with me on this. Being part of that, Mm. being in that privileged spot of being, of watching them go navigate through these Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. And the very reason I got into palliative care was those moments at the end of life where you're sitting with the family. Yeah. You're talking about Uncle Gus's funny jokes at mm-hmm. Christmas and that funny outfit he wore at Halloween and yeah. you're laughing and you're crying and yeah. you're mm-hmm. hugging and you just, you're being present. Yeah. You're and, honoring the joy, the love. Yeah. 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 No, it's an, it's incredible. I know because people often say, well, how can you work in palliative care? Mm. It's, I'm not, it's not about the dead. 
it's about the living, right? It's about honoring the living. And uh, it's that it's that it's life, it's life affirming, right? Mm. It's really quite life affirming. Yeah. So maybe we could speak to what to do Mm -hmm. to help our fellow employee, our fellow nurse, Mm -hmm. or our fellow loved one. Mm -hmm navigate through this process Mm -hmm. because once again kind of like i alluded to at the beginning sometimes a lot of people just don't know what to do they don't Mm -hmm. know what to say do Mm -hmm. you you know sing them a song do you (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. write a poem what do you do Mm -hmm. what's the best advice that we could give Mm -hmm. people listening yeah well you know whether you're talking to a colleague or families that are going through it is it's important uh just to meet them where they're at right that's the first step. Um, because again, like grief is about um, going backwards before going forwards. It's about saying hello before you ever say goodbye. And what we tend to do is in our society in general, we tend to want to move things forward, right? Sometimes that's because it makes us feel better. But really that person, like when you're working in healthcare, people will often notice that, uh, families will keep going back to questions and keep going back. Well, why'd that happen? And did, did we do the right thing? And, and it can be frustrating sometimes because you think, Oh my God, I've told them how many times. Right. But it's because they're mourning. They're actually, and that's where I say, okay, you know, just take a moment because they're going backwards. Like I just had a family recently and lovely daughters sitting vigil by the bedside and they kept going back and they kept going back. And then finally I just sat down and I said, can I describe a little bit about grief and mourning to you? And I did. I sat down and I talked about what is grief and what is mourning and what we need to do in that process. Um, And uh, I said, a lot of it is about going backwards. And I said, and that's what you're doing. So I'm going to honor that and I'm going to answer your questions, but I want you to know that that's what you're doing right now. And they just kind of went, oh, okay, I see. Okay. Because otherwise they think, well, why? I'm going crazy. These questions are driving me nuts, you know? Yeah. And it really is enlightening because I got to tell you, without knowing this as, mm-hmm. a, as a clinician, sometimes I'm like, well, I've answered this question 43 mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what's happening? Yeah. And I always related it to being in shock because of all the things yeah, partly, I'm going, sure, yeah. going through, mm-hmm. which is totally understandable. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. We, James Downer, he's initiating an ICU study actually on bereavement and this was a quite eye-opening for me like mm-hmm. in ICU a lot of the families have tons of questions after they leave us mm-hmm. and you know not being on that side like I've never had a loved one in ICU yeah and I wouldn't know what it would be like to mm-hmm. hear that information on you know mm-hmm. your loved one's dying and trying to process all that you know, in yeah. in, in, the, in that time frame. But what, hearing James speak to the matter, it's like mm-hmm. a lot of these people are have questions after they have all these kind of uh, concerns that, you know, there's no real process to, to help yeah. navigate. Them oh, through. absolutely. Yeah. And, and my whole, I mean, the whole point of doing this podcast, the whole point of doing what we do is to help others and mm-hmm. to help them reduce their pain. Yeah. And so... You know, it's. I hope this is at least helpful also to a lot of the clinicians mm-hmm. out there hearing mm-hmm. these things. And, you know, it really comes down to being, mm-hmm. making time, being present, not giving the bullshit mm-hmm. answer of like, oh, you'll get through it and, mm-hmm. and you'll move, just, you know, you're a warrior, move forward, mm-hmm. but sit with them, you know, sit with them and, and hear them out. And you don't need to give a rah-rah speech mm-hmm. every time you see them. It's just. Yeah. Being present, acknowledging it's hard. Yeah, you know? it's especially difficult in ICU because the unexpectedness often, right? Right. So that's another flavor entirely around it. So um, again, so they're in that unexpectedness. And so moving from the head to the heart, it's not about what you know, it's what you feel, right? In grief. Mm-hmm. So when you've got somebody in a tra- usually a tragic situation in ICU and uh, that that kind of reality of the loss is going to take them a little bit more time, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's gone from zero to a hundred and like one minute of their lives often, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> yeah, it, that's a whole other flavor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to 
to help them through that. So yeah, they're going to have a lot of questions because they're trying to kind of, their mind is trying to connect with their heart in terms of what just happened (laughs) and just then trying to acknowledge that person. Right. So, and how that's transformed and transitioned for them. So it's extra work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You've experienced loss in your life. Mm-hmm. You've lost your both parents relatively recently, especially your dad was it's December. December yeah. mm-hmm. coming yeah. up and coming up here. And I wanna know mm-hmm. how it's affected you as a grief counselor or mm-hmm. a social worker in the hospital. Do you feel it's changed you? Um, well, it's a typical social work. I was going to redirect it back to you, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, of course it does. It, 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 uh, you know, that's when I talk about the beauty and grief and mourning people go, what was she talking about? Um, but when you've had a loss yourself, like we can all kind of relate to it, right? You know, there's empathy and sympathy, you know, sympathy is, you know, I feel sorry for you. Empathy is let me understand what you're going through. And the big buzzword now is compassion. Mm-hmm. is meeting somebody heart to heart. You know what? Suffering is a shared risk. We all go through it, right? We all. So when you've gone through a loss, and if you don't mind me saying so, Quadjo, I remember in your Facebook after, your, I think, your dad's anniversary. Okay to talk about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I loved what you wrote because you said um, that it made you a better doctor. It's not like you're going to sit with your families and patients and like wail and cry, (laughs) but you know what it is to be human and you know what loss means and how painful it can be and that we all are in that together. You know, the world's a mystery. Do I have all the answers to everything? No. Do you? No. But we, we recognize in our fellow man that, that sense of pain and suffering. And, you know, when I'd have like the, the patients or clients that I had in grief counseling, I, I think almost everyone said to me something along the lines of, you know, I never really understood it, you know, um, until I felt it myself and I feel more for other people. Yeah, I can relate to their pain more. Like one lady had said to me, uh, you know, so-and-so lost their mom recently at work. And last year I would have probably thought, Oh, whatever, just hurry up and get back to work. Yeah. But she said, you know what? Now I look at her and I, I go over and I give her a hug and I said, wow, this is hard, isn't it? Yeah. You know, welcome to the club kind of thing, you know, this shared human existence. And, uh, that's the beauty I'm talking about. Right. And to connect again, to say, wow, you know, this is how we, this is what we go through. Right. Yeah. I got to tell you the, after going through it, the way I see people that are now going through a loss Mm -hmm. is, I don't want to say it's a completely different, but I'm I'm there. Like mm-hmm. I I I understand more where they're coming from, and so the empathy and the compassion it's mm-hmm. inevitable. And yeah. one thing that I did totally appreciate is you. I can almost tell by how someone hugs you mm-hmm. if they've experienced loss themselves recently or not. Like <laughs> the, the the like meaningful bear hug would usually come from people that are like. I know what's going down. Yeah. I know how you're feeling right now. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, that did give me personally a lot of solace knowing that you could make good out of the, the bad situation. You're Absolutely. In. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe I'm a more compassionate, compassionate doc now. I think I'm more present when someone's telling me about loss mm-hmm. and, no, I give less of a damn too. Like, I don't think I'd be doing this show mm-hmm. if it wasn't for experiencing loss and mm. knowing how, you know, life can just be done. And yeah. and so let's but, live now. For And you did the, you, you took the time to do the morning work. 
right? And that that's where sometimes people get stuck because they don't know what it is. They're, they understand they're feeling this awfulness, but they don't know how to move it, right? Mm-hmm. And what you did learn about that and you shared, you had a social response to it, right? You shared to everybody what it was like for you and you worked with your family and you started to move in that process. And it's not that... It, it wasn't painful, but in, in some respects, you, you were able to move, right? You move from that physical presence of your dad to one of memory. Because, I mean, death ends a life. It doesn't end a relationship. Interesting. And yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And because it does, it, you forever have a relationship with that person. It's integrating into that, your new normal and your new identity, that they're not there in your life anymore physically, but they're still really powerfully there all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know with your dad and even with my mom, as I get older, I can look back at my mom and go, oh, wow. Yeah, she's just we're all just human beings trying to do the best we can. Right. Yeah. You know, and as you evolve and you go through your own life transitions, you go back to that relationship. Right. And you mm-hmm. see it differently. Yeah, It evolves just like as you evolve. Yeah, no, it's it's true. This is why I wanted you on the show. I like I'm a palliative care doc. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a ICU doc. I see death all the time, and after experiencing it at a uh, with my father, it was I didn't know mm-hmm. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect all this physical, spiritual, mental <laughs> difficulties that uh, were to that I experienced. Yeah, and so I really think it's important to share this with people to be able to be open, to be there for their fellow man or woman and be less of a denying culture. Mm-hmm. And I really think we will go a lot further mm-hmm. if we approach this with open arms. I, absolutely. And and by not only the, you know, the public, but especially as healthcare workers, we need mm-hmm. to, to kind of honor that what that happens to each other and to be, do we all have to be grief counselors? No. But do we all have a responsibility and maybe uh, to be more aware so that when we see our fellow colleagues, we go, hey, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're not just being lazy or they're just uh, they're just self-pitying. There's actually something going on in there. Like Mm -hmm. even like people just sitting vigil, like when they're sitting with their loved ones dying, I always say to them, you know, I talk a lot about self-care to them because even though you're just sitting there, you're running a mini marathon inside. Right. Because mm-hmm. so much is going on and processing in there. So I remind them, I said, you know, your, your body's physically running a mini marathon. Make sure you drink. Make sure you get some rest. You got to be good to yourself. Um, and it's the same thing when we're grieving. Right. There's a lot like it's. So if I if you had a broken leg, I wouldn't be expecting you to be running around the hospital. Yeah. Just, you can't see it. You can't see when somebody's grieving. Right. So but I, it's what Dr. Wolfelt says. He actually gives out pins. I love it. It says uh, if you're in grief, you put a pin called under construction. Mm. Yeah. And it just gives your mankind to say, hey, you know, I'm slower right now. Be patient with me. There's a lot going on in here and yeah. you can't see it, but it's there. Right. So you you, you even brought up a point too. When we were talking earlier about the house, just some cultures, like, you know, they're grieving based on attire. So, mm, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it's like part of the culture to be able to, whether, whether yeah. it's sit vigil or, or um, take time with the, uh, with the, the fellow loved ones. But, mm. you know, like that's part of who we, we, been, yeah. You know? Well, that's the fascinating part is that we've, we've moved away from that, right? People used to die in the home. You know, grandma and grandpa lived with us, their extended family, and uh, they didn't tend to die in the hospitals. Like what, 70% of people die in the hospitals now? It's often removed. So it's often away from us. So, um, you know, before people would die at home, it was a natural part of life, right? And now it's kind of removed from us. Um, And before, like like maybe what, 80, 100 years ago, uh, if you're widowed, you'd be wearing black. 
And you'd be walking around. But what's wonderful about that is you'd be walking around in your black attire and you would start to do the morning work because people would stop you and say, hey, you know, who passed away? Was it George, your husband? Yeah, I did. And you start talking about George, right? Mm-hmm. And then your that shared response to loss, it starts to evolve and you get to talk about that person. And it, so it's a wonderful thing, right? But we've moved away from it. We're not supposed to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. Um, yeah, and that's healing. It's incredibly healing. That's incredibly healing. And, you know, people often have, you know, just a little tidbit, like people are afraid to say, oh, I saw so-and-so and I don't want to say anything. Uh, I know they just lost their mom, but uh, I don't want to remind them of the death. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> They know that person's died, but when you say something to them, what you're doing is you're reminding them that person lived. And that's the part that really needs to be done. I remember recently, actually, a shout out to Kim on A5 in medicine. Um, Yeah, as I said, my dad passed away in December. And this is uh, is part of what I'm talking about is she did this, and I don't even think she knows. Maybe she does now. I was sitting at the A5 nursing station, just charting. And uh, she came over to me and I forgot that she'd taken care of both of my parents when they're in a hospital. And then she started talking to me about travel or something. And then she started to say, oh yeah, your dad's from Scotland. And he told me about this and he said this. And he, she started sharing stories. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's my dad. He was like, wow, he's in the room for a moment. It's like, I got a piece oh. of my dad. And I was like, wow, she just did some amazing morning work. And she didn't even realize it. That's a, that's a funny part is when I talk to nurses or other healthcare providers about grief and mourning, it's just sometimes as simple as like going into the room of somebody who's, you know, terminally ill and picking up the photo for and saying to the husband, oh, I love this photo. What's going on here? Wow. And then you see, you're kind of often stiff and often I've, I don't think I've ever remembered anybody not wanting to share. Right. And then they start talking about that person and um, they're, they're moving, they're, you know, they're transit and that's what we, it's so important. So vital. Wow. Like, I hope it serves a little bit as a inspiration to a lot of uh, people seeing patients out there, like take that time. Hmm. It doesn't have um, to be long sometimes. No, no it doesn't. It's a little like uh-huh. the thing I'm learning about doing these shows. And so far, it's like it really is the little things mm-hmm. okay? like literally picking up that picture and saying, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at yeah. that looker from uh, a few years back. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Do you see the smile on their faces yeah, when absolutely. you do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, people don't really want to know what you have to say unless they know you care. And like more like for physicians, that's really important, right? Because you're sitting down giving really bad news and you're making recommendations. And if you're doing it from a, you know, intellectual kind of, this is what it is. And people aren't going to respond as well. But if you sit down and say, Hey, you know, this is tough. Tell me a little bit about whoever it is in the bed and then start to work from there and say, okay, well, this is what's going on. And they feel like that person's in the room, that they're not just a number and just mm-hmm. another person to take up a bed, but they're real, mm-hmm. that they mean a lot to them. Right. Wow. Yeah. Some good shit, yo. <laughs> I, I, I hope y'all are buying in. Um, last couple of things uh, while I have you, Heather. Okay, so just to give some context, Heather's got like I don't know how many guardian angel things on her on her uh, what, do, what do we call it lanyard. Yeah, something yeah, that like that. <laughs> on your lany- what a weird lany- name, eh? Lanyard, <laughs> lanyard. Yeah, she's got about seven guardian angels on her lanyard, which is like weighing her down. Actually, she actually walks with a limp. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so just to give you a sense of how, how giving and how much love she gets at the Ottawa hospital, but can you share a story where, you know, you've been appreciated because we, you know, we appreciate y'all every day, but like, (laughs) yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so bad at names, but I never forget a story. Like I always remember stories when people tell me them. Well, I guess recent, like I always, if somebody's passed at the hospital, uh, I always make a point of giving them a follow-up call because it's not part of my protocol, but I think it's essential because all of a sudden you've got all this support at the hospital. People are coming in and talking to you and then your loved one dies and then boom, you totally disconnected. Right. And they may have questions and worries. So I always generally give them a call after. So 
Um, and I, I love to hear about how they're doing, but I think recently I had a family, um, father, the husband was dying, two older sons and a lovely family, just, just beautiful. The salt of the earth. And you can see how much they love this man and you could see it walking in the room and that, that journey I talked about where it was like, Oh my God, what's going on? Can't we do this? Can't we do that? You know, that, uh, like that helpless. I I think one of my favorite quotes in grief is uh, by CS Lewis. He wrote Narnia. I used to have it in my grief office. Um, No one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. Mm. Yeah. Cause it is, it's, it's absolutely like, it's a, an insult to your identity. It's an insult to your safety and security. And it's an insult. Well, it's insults, insults, a strong word, but affects your sense of meaning. Right. Unknown. So much unknown people yeah. are terrified and you see that. And there's nowhere in this world where you feel more helpless when you're not able to stop what's happening and you're watching this deterioration. So I, I witnessed this family um, in that state. And then as we evolved and we talked and we shared and they had some education and understanding about what's happening, that really cool family just kind of sat in this tight two bedroom in the hospital. But I would open up the curtain and I would just go, wow, this is so much sacredness right here. Wow. You guys have it nailed. Like, even though it was in a tight, awful kind of setting, they made it beautiful. Mm. You know, just that honor and you could hear the stories and the children were coming. And um, we actually, I got the kids to do a hug blanket, which is uh, something I love doing with the kids. So, you know, if the kids can't be there all the time or they need to feel part of it, you know, you're old enough to love, you're old enough to grieve, right? That's Mm. very important. So I got the kids to do a hug blanket where they kind of draw their arms on it and write all over the blanket and then they put it over their grandfather. So they had done that. And uh, so you walk in there and you'd see this beautiful blanket and all the kids writing on it and everybody just loving this man, you know. So when I called afterwards and I spoke to the family, uh, they had sat Shiva and they had brought out the hug blanket. So when people would come over and, you know, the people come over and pay their respects and all that, they would bring out the blanket and they'd share about it. I was so touched. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Wow. Like that was really, uh, that I just, yeah, that was really beautiful. Wow. Uh, Before ending, I know there was, you were speaking about some pretty cool initiatives at a conference you went to recently. Yeah. I don't know if you want to mention that. Yeah. Well, grief and mourning in general is really misunderstood and it's um, in a lot of myths and misconceptions about it. And oftentimes when you just really kind of sit and tell people about it, they really feel more understanding about what's happening. Um, and I, it's been kind of one of my um, ones I want to bring more forward to the healthcare community because we're supposed to be it, man. We're supposed to be the mentors. We're supposed to know what this is all about. This is what we deal with every day. But yet there is a loss in that. There's there's not a lot of understanding around it for, um, you know, especially for each other, right? We really need to bring that forward um, to support each other as we go through these really difficult times, right? Um, and not to feel that what's wrong with us and I'm going to lose my job. And, you know, we need to be supported and no matter where we are, whatever, what agency or what uh, company we work for, we all need to feel that way. Um, but when I went to recently the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care, or did I have to say that Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association, they had a conference recently here in Ottawa. And uh, because it's been one of my babies about, and, and I think it's partly because people like you and other doctors and nurses and managers have come to me because they are like, what is going on with me? I don't understand this. I'm like, wow, like something I just assume everybody knows. Go, no, it's really not understood. And then we start to beat ourselves up. You know, what's wrong with me that I'm not moving on? And um, so I wanted to bring this more to our workplace, right? How can we help other each other? Because, and so part of this conference, there was I went to one of the workshops and I was really excited. Uh, it was a lady. Uh, I just spoke to her, Karen Brownrig. Actually, I did ask her if it's okay to say her name, and she said, yeah, yeah. "Yeah." So under the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association, they have something called Canadian Compassionate Companies. 
So they recognize that this grief and taking, you know, the stress of caring for somebody who's terminally ill, it's a chronic condition. So the policies and procedures that are in most institutions and places of work are behind the times because they're not aligned with how things are now in society. Um, you know, modern technology, advancement of science. I mean, you see it all the time, how we, people are living longer mm. and often living longer, though, with chronic illnesses and often debilitating states. Right. So not only are you uh, trying to uh, attend to your family member, your loved one, um, but this can be an ongoing issue. Right. And our policies aren't in place to help support that. Um, and, and if you show you support your employers during those times, you're going to have more retention of them. Uh, you're going to have um, attract more people with uh, good qualifications to want to be working there. When you maintain that good, healthy work life balance, people are happier. And when you have happier employer, employees, you're going to have better care. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's actually, so the Canadian compassionate companies, I'm just learning about it, but um, they can actually come to the HR and start to educate and bring in policies to support workers who are going through this. So when you have, when you have a policies and procedures around it, the culture starts to change, mm. right? Because then it's normalized and validated that, yeah, this is hard. You know, I care about your psychological safety because if you're safe, everybody else here is safe. Right. And that's important, not just for our colleagues, but for our patients and families. Right. So I was really excited about well, it. And I, I thought, yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth mentioning because it's, I want to say innovative. It's, it's, I wouldn't say this is common practice in, in areas amongst companies and amongst healthcare providers. So anything that's going to help people get through these mm -hmm. tough times and mm -hmm. provide better, ultimately provide better care. Yeah. We should embrace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Heather, yeah. I just like <laughs> saying that um, it has been a dream. I yeah. really, I can't express the work that you do and how meaningful it is that we see it day to day. I'm mm -hmm. going to speak for, you know, like my ICU colleagues, my palliative care colleagues, my medicine colleagues, the work that you guys do mm -hmm. is underappreciated, undervalued, and it goes, and it's one of the most important things we provide. Mm -hmm. And I, I just want to say that you do amazing work and whatever we could do to get the word out to, how important these things are, including grieving. Mm -hmm. We need to do it. Absolutely. And, and I hope uh, this is just, uh, I hope this, I hope this helps. I hope so. I hope it moves things forward. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. And I'm there to help it out as much as I can and vice versa. It's been so great working with you, Quadjo, over the years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode. In terms of take-home messages, at an administrative level, make sure to take care of your employees during these tough times. In terms of clinicians, be there for each other. It's the least that we could do. In terms of the general public, take time when experiencing loss and grief. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you in about a week.